0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with Nigerian-based storytelling strategist and founder of Story Sell Shine, Lola Oyafemi. She is on an unwavering mission to help entrepreneurs and brands tell captivating stories that magnetize clients and seal deals. In a world filled with noise, copycats, and superficiality, she has experienced the transformative power of stories firsthand. Her purpose is to guide businesses as they slice through the chaos and forge genuine connections with their target audience by shattering traditional rule books she enables entrepreneurs and brands to harness their distinctive stories and turn them into a potent force for success enjoy this interview nice to meet you thank here, Joe how are you I'm wonderful where are you located in the world oh I live in Nigeria what you're in Nigeria right now yes I am that's wonderful I love it. <laughs> we're in Where uh, do you live? You... We're in the middle of America in Kansas City, Missouri. Mm,
1: okay. Makes you know, anything?
0: You know much about saying... Kansas City?
1: I don't know much about Kansas City, but I have quite a number of clients in the US. So Okay. I know quite a bit about the US as a whole. Yeah. But I don't know about Kansas specific.
0: Okay. Well, we're the home of Charlie Parker.
1: Okay. So who's Charlie Parker?
0: He was I know you yeah. said like
1: how are you not I don't know. That.
0: <laughs> That's fine. He was the uh, jazz saxophonist. And he ended up going to New mm. York and it's Birdland. Okay. So, anyway, it, it's all good. So it's great to meet you and the first thing I want to do before we get into your life is find out how you've survived this COVID time period. How's everything going? Is everything opening up? Okay.
1: Um, so, I think that COVID, you know, um, affected different lockdown, but there was no lockdown in my states. And the reason why, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. And the, re- the reason why there was no lockdown in my states was because all the states around us locked down. And so the governor said, if everyone locks down and no one's coming to you, why should you lock down? So we we didn't have any lockdown. So I, can't, I didn't really experience it as much as other people did.
0: So let's get to the essence of what you do for a living. And I wanna put you in front of a bunch of grade school kids at a career day. And let's say third graders, okay? So one of the kids looks up and asks, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them?
1: Okay, so what I'd say is, I teach people how to tell great stories, sell their ideas, and shine brightly in the world where everyone is trying to be the same. So if you are someone who has great ideas and no one ever listens to you, I'm going to show you how to take those ideas and express them in such a beautiful way that your teacher agrees with you, your parents agree with you, all your classmates agree with you, and you can literally change things. And if you decide, like, I want to sell this idea, I will show you how to sell it so that people actually pay you money for your ideas. Now, imagine people paying you money for your drawing, or imagine people pay you money for that small thing in your mind, right? Imagine how much money you make, and how you know how quickly you could quickly go to Disneyland without having to ask mom because you have like five thousand dollars in your account. So that's kind of like how I introduce myself. I would play around it because I have two kids. And I will get down to their level.
0: That's wonderful. What did you want to be when you were a kid?
1: I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. Funny enough. That yeah. was uh, that was my grandfather's dream. It was my mom's dream. It was everybody's dream. And so that became my dream. And then I went to high school and I did I, I did scientists. I was going to be a doctor. And on the final exam, so for final exam in West Africa, we have a general exam for all West African students. Um, We had to dissect a frog and then we dissected a goat and I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So that was when I was like, okay, I can't stand seeing a goat there. I don't think I'm going to be a doctor. (laughs) That's
0: right. (laughs) That makes sense. Well, let's get it. Let's get into how you became kind of this person that's perpetuating storytelling and helping people get to that point. Talk to me about your childhood and there were seeds that were planted in you. What were these seeds that were planted in you that have grown into who you are today?
1: Well, for me, my mom was a storyteller my mom used to tell the best stories. Like she'd tell, and she was always saying something, which is, it's so funny how stories are the same. You know, the Cinderella story, the African stories that like the Cinderella stories, even though they're like not from the same culture. So my mom was always fascinated by that. She was always telling us stories. And then when I was 10, my mom died. And so suddenly there was no longer storytelling in the house. My dad is more of a, Nonfiction. And my dad's an engineer, so he's an engineering guy. No stories, none of those things. And so a lot of magic kind of drained out from the moment my mom died. So I was the one who kept on trying to tell those stories, um, trying to keep speaking up. And I was constantly, constantly shut down as a child. My dad's favorite phrase was like, "You talk too much. Stop talking." (laughs) And so for like for the longest time, I was quiet. And then I, I went to university to study mass communication because I couldn't do medicine again. I said, I, I, I said, no more science for me. I'm going to. So it, it took me an extra year, but I redid, you know, my examinations and everything. I went to university to study mass communication. And then in my second year I started working in radio and I discovered my love for storytelling again, because radio and media is literally about telling stories and telling stories in a way that allows people to see your perspective. So that was kind of my journey from the time where everyone, everyone was a storyteller to a time where it was all silent. And then finally, because I had this side job in university, I was forced to bring back <laughs> to storytelling. So
0: you know what's interesting? I'm going to bring Kansas City back into this. Cinderella, mm-hmm. which is Disney, Walt Disney grew up north of Kansas city in a town called Marceline. And he went to school in Kansas city. Oh my God! Our, yeah. He went to school at the Kansas city art Institute. And you know, what's really interesting about Disney stories and, and as a storyteller in all of the Disney stories, most of them, the mother leaves the child early in life. So when you mentioned your mom, that's a very common theme, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if Walt himself lost his mother early on, but when you mentioned Cinderella and your mom, it's interesting because that's kind of the Disney story. Um, it, it's it's interesting, but anyways, that brings it back to. I'm I'm gonna kind of throw some Kansas City tidbits out that we have a loose association. <laughs> <with mom. laughs>
1: so. That's that's, not, that's good to hear. Like, like I never knew that. I always thought like Walt Disney was like I don't even know. I never even thought of like where did he grow up. Was, like he's just like Walt Disney, <laughs> right? And you saying you saying that just like round it up. And Kansas is like the, is the city of Dorothy, like right? Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Y- yeah. Yeah. It-
0: and, and the confusing thing is, is that that's Kansas and we're in Missouri. So it always gets confused when people hear Kansas City. They're always like, how's can't, you know, but I don't know anything about where you come from. What what are some things about where you come from that are very noteworthy? Well, one
1: thing is, so the richest black man and the richest black woman are all nigerians they're both nigerians um the biggest thing that happens for, for nigerians is we have a hustle spirit and the reason why is because we're so many so you, you there's like a survival for the fitness thing if you're nigerian we're, there's so many people you know how people talk about countries where it's like you have to go a mile before you see people it's not nigeria everywhere there's someone and the person's trying to sell you something <laughs> And so because of that, we're we're kind of forced to be, to have that hustle spirit, to want to get it, to to be go-getters. I remember uh, earlier this year when I was talking about building a global business from Nigeria. So I've been running my business for the last six years. I've had over 300 clients and I've had less than 10% of that from Nigeria. And most of my clients uh, in the UK, the UK us australia new zealand canada just like my five countries where i get most clients and most people will be like how do you do that you know and you see people who live in the us and you're like oh i can't start a business online or i can't do this and and i look at it and i feel like you just lack a little bit of hustle spirit <laughs> and and i feel like that's one thing you get when you're nigerian because no one's going to wait for you no one really you, you you get to understand that no one cares it's in nigeria your child will fall down and people will say, Don't tell, don't tell him sorry. Don't tell him sorry. If you tell him sorry, he's going to cry. <laughs> it's that funny. Like a kid will fall down, people tell you, don't tell him sorry. So you fall down the first time, no one tells you sorry. You eventually start standing up when you fall, because you know, like no one's looking at me. And of course, you know, your parents are watching if it's something terrible, they're going to run at you. But if it's something simple, we just we just move back a bit. And it's kind of in the condition eventually. I feel like that's the biggest difference between Nigeria and any other country. You come into this country, you know that everyone is trying to do something.
0: You know, what's interesting about what you're saying is look at us right now. Look how far apart we are and we're connecting. Like, you know, you're talking about how did you get all these clients? We live in a world where things have kind of shrunk to a point where you can get clients, I imagine, from anywhere.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I feel like most times we, we're in this place where some people, some people are, are looking forward to a world where we're all separate again. We have, you know, everybody's on their own. But what they miss is that the world has been going to this place of global village for the longest time. Um, When I was doing my degree, there was one, I can't remember, but I said it was McLuhan, but it's something they teach you in mass communication. So McLuhan said, and that was about 50 years ago, that the world is coming to a place where it to be a global village and one person will be somewhere and they'll be able to talk to someone halfway you know you know at the other side of the world and he said that 50 years ago and we're going into that space and covid fast-tracked that yeah for a lot of countries because yeah. suddenly we realized that we could do things online you know, Zoom literally, I think Zoom people just, they just went up during COVID. Before COVID, Zoom was like this small niche thing that only business professionals use. Uh-huh. But right now, everybody uses Zoom. And it's, it's because COVID allowed us to see that we can, we choose to connect, we choose to disconnect. And COVID showed that the world is your oyster, like the world is your stage. You could do anything. You could be anything. You could stay in your room and create something magical. But without COVID, it was just only a few people that could see that. But with COVID, everyone started seeing it.
0: That is so well said, so well constructed, and so right. I'm a communications major. I haven't haven't thought about Marshall McLuhan in a long time, but there was a lot of really good things, you know, that were said. You know what's interesting? Um, I, I went to Paris back in 2001 and I noticed there was a lot of Nigerian people there. And the feeling of like racial harmony in Paris was something I've never seen in the world before. I was really inspired by the fact that there was such a mix of people and everybody really felt good together.
1: Hmm. Um. I feel it's because so when it comes to. And I don't I don't mind talking a bit about race, is that when it comes to racial issues, it's there's always a background to it. So the US is going to have racial issues for the longest time because there's a background. There are a lot of stories that have been passed on. There are a lot of trauma that there's a lot of trauma that has been passed on. So you you look at a black person who comes from Africa. And moves to the west, moves to France, or moves to England, or moves to the U.S. And you realize that they come there, and they 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 get a job, or they're hustling, or they're doing something. But before you know it, they they like kind of have their own niche. They don't really care about race. They don't really care about all these things. But you see someone who was who was born in the U.S. and they have that because in a struggle, and they were born with that trauma, and it's going to take a while. So one of the things I find that happens all the world around is that people don't want to really talk about the truth and people don't want to face the reality. So the reality was this thing was done. It was evil. There's no, there's no like, Oh, you know, black people also did it. There's not, none of that is going to justify that something happening was bad. Now that we agree with that, here's how we're going to make it right. And the people who were also offended also have to say, okay, fine. This was done. It was evil. It set us back by how, you know, this number of years. Here's how we're going to make this work. That's what's going to happen. If people actually just sit down and just tell themselves the truth, we're going to move forward faster than if they don't tell themselves the truth.
0: Yeah. And I feel and
1: I feel like this is the biggest issue when it comes to race. Um, France has a dicey relationship with African countries. So for Nigerians, Nigerians don't care a lot about France because they didn't colonize us. We go there, maybe we do business there, we visit there, but that's it. But for French countries, um, that's Francophone African countries, they have a different relationship because France colonized them. And so that relationship to will bring up maybe some trauma, bring up and I can't speak for them because of course I'm not I can't speak because I'm not in that space. So I feel like when it comes to race, there are a lot of dynamics around it. But the, the worst thing that's happened with race is politics. Yeah. Politics destroys everything. They they talk about race and they spoil it. And i will give you a simple example. So we just had Nigerian elections um in February and there was a lot of tribal conflicts. Now we're all black in Nigeria and there's no no one became, you know, there's none of that. But a lot of people were saying Yoruba versus Igbo. So there was a lot of tribal conflict. And for example, my mom, I'm Yoruba, but my mom wasn't Yoruba. And I remember someone sending me a message and saying like, if we divide right now, you know, you're not one of us. And I, and I had to reply. So like my mom has been late for over 19 years now. I'm married to a Yoruba person. I have two kids who are Yoruba. And because my mother... <laughs> It's not you, but you're saying I don't belong. And I remember we're all black, but it's politics. So a lot of times we, the people, forget that politicians actually just want to win an election. Mm-hmm. They don't really care that you're black or you're white or you're Christian or you're anything. They don't care. They use those divides because they want to win the elections. Yeah. And I know this because one of my first jobs was being a politician political analysts for a campaign. And that was the main thing. Like, how do we divide the people further? So they'll do stuff like Christian versus people who are not Christian. They'll do stuff like black versus white. They'll do something like, oh, white supremacy, black supremacy. They'll do all these things. And the main goal is to divide because the more divided you are, the more you don't have time to question what they're using taxpayers' money for. The more you can't ask them, how come your salary is just a hundred K a year and you, you're you buying like a mansion of 20 million? You can't ask them that because you are busy fighting the person opposite you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. It's totally right. Um, I'm curious in your life, you know, we're fueled by the people that we admire. Who's been a hero for you?
1: Well, I, I have a number of heroes. So when I was growing up, my biggest hero was Oprah. And that's, so my mom was always watching oprah my mom would literally rush home it was 4 p.m and we sit down we'll watch oprah <laughs> so growing up my biggest hero was oprah i wanted to be on tv i wanted to meet oprah you know all these things like i think i'm not i think we're like millions of people who saw mm-hmm. oprah as, as a big hero but the more i've grown the more i've realized that my biggest heroes eventually made disappoint me <laughs> because one of the things that i've learned is that you don't want you most times you don't want to meet your heroes and this is not about oprah i'm just saying generally yeah you'd, you'd be following someone and you'd love everything they do and then they'll taste something like why did i start following this person in the first place <laughs> so right now i don't have any heroes i look up to i have people i admire based on their work so when it comes to media attention oprah is like the queen of it um, when it comes to writing, I love Stephen King. I love Chimamanda. Yeah. And funny enough, I've never read any Stephen King's book, but I've read his book on writing. Um, I read every Chimamanda Adichie. Um For movies, TV and everything, I love Trevor Noir. I like Trevor Noir. I love The Daily Show. I watch yeah. every time. I don't agree with all their politics, but... They know how to tell really good stories.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And in business, there's so many people I follow in business. So I will just, this will be a whole podcast episode if I yeah. want to talk about everyone I admire in business.
0: So let's get to the essence of you. Every day you wake up, you have things that you want to do that motivate you. What is the main motivator for you? What gets you through to make you who you are?
1: Uh, my biggest motivation is my family so i grew up again you know my mom passed when i was 10 my dad's my dad was never home because he always had to and my dad's still working a job now but my dad is a workaholic he's always at work he's always thinking about work he wake up at 2am and he's reading an engineering book and so that became like my life so all through growing up I wanted to have my dad's attention and so every single time I because based on how I run my business because I run my business with my husband what intentional about family I like being here when my kids come back from school I like being able to hold them I like being able to spend holidays I like being able to say okay this weekend let's let's travel, let's do something. I feel like that's my biggest motivation. The freedom to be there with my kids is my biggest motivation. Because like, you know, once your kids are 18, the time you spend with them just drastically drops. <laughs> and so I want to enjoy them as much as I can. So that's like, that pushes me every single day to to work hard to make sure that happens. And that keeps happening.
0: So what's... What's your favorite story? You know, as a storyteller, what is one of your favorite stories that humans have created?
1: Mm. My favorite story is the story of the underdog, and I feel like that's everyone's favorite story. It's the underdog story of someone who, who has gone through something painful and they achieve the ultimate dream. And, and and that's where you see like Cinderella story, all these other stories, they follow the underdog. This there's, there's something that is so giant and painful, and then it's transformed to something beautiful. And I'm Christian too. So I'm, I'm a Christian. And I feel like this is also like the story of Jesus, where Jesus, you know, Jesus died on the cross and led to something beautiful, the resurrection, and you know, everyone becoming a Christian, all those nice things. But again, it still boils down to that. that's that's the strongest story. You listen to the pain someone is going through. You live through that pain and you're rooting for them. You're rooting for them to win. And then they win. And because they win, it shows you that you can also win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's get to the essence of your story. Everyone has a perception of you. You have family, friends, clients, colleagues. They all see you in a different light. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: Okay, so this is a hard question. Every question you ask is easy, but this one's hard. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Because it's so easy for you to talk about other people. It's hard for you to talk about yourself. So I see myself as a woman on a journey who is telling stories, living life, loving people, but most importantly, I see myself as a woman on, on the journey. I'm on this journey. I don't know where I'm going to. I'm going to heaven, <laughs> but I don't know where I'm going to. Like, I don't know which twist or turn takes, but I'm on this journey. That's how I see myself. Because sometimes something will happen and I, I take a step back from myself and I just, I, like I'm watching a movie instead of being in my own life. And I'm playing things back in my mind. So that's why I identify with the person on a journey. It makes it easier for you not to be bothered by all the hustles and bustles and all the things that happen in this world.
0: You know, the thing about a good story is is that it leaves a legacy. It leaves something for us to remember somebody by. What do you hope your legacy is? What are you hoping you leave behind that Um, the world remembers you by?
1: So, So my... My legacy, I feel, I feel my legacy will be like a continuation of my mom's legacy. Mother's biggest goal was to have a school. So I feel like it's, my my legacy will be a continuation of my mom's legacy in a way, because my mom's biggest legacy was to have a school. And even though I'm not interested in having a school, it's something I'm very passionate about. I'm passionate about funding education and I'm passionate about funding entrepreneurship. I'm one of the people who doesn't believe that you should give people money because they're broke or anything. I believe that you should fund them to get educated, fund them to start businesses or get employed. Because the more you empower people to be able to do things themselves, the more you actually change the world. So let's, let's imagine that i have two people and someone said, one of them comes and says oh you need i, I need a thousand dollars for example and i give them a thousand dollars and they go you know maybe a month from now they will need another thousand dollars right but if someone comes and says i need a thousand dollars and i say okay i will give you a thousand dollars but we're going to decide a business or we're going to decide you know a skill or something you want to learn now this person learns that skill and then they go on to be able to use that skill to make another thousand dollars help someone else and that was has actually been like the root of my legacy so every year for the last three years i have tried to empower at least two people to do something so um for some people it has been going to school so thankfully thank god we've been able to send someone to university um and she's finished so that's good and for other people it has been starting businesses so last year we help someone that's a chicken business, like poultry business, raising chickens to sell. And this year, you know, fingers crossed, I don't know who's going to come my way because like I told you, I'm on a journey. And But I'm looking forward to who we're going to help this year. So every single year, and this is a private project, so it's not like any non-profit or anything. Um, I'll pick someone and I'll just help that person either get educated or help the person start a business.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Or grow their business if they have one.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. So if anyone out there wants to learn more about this venture, anything about your life, hire you, where can they go on the web to do that?
1: Story And how to communicate the value of the stuff you sell. And I sort of show you how to shine, like shine so brightly that people see your brilliance instantly. So can you so go say- to story
0: Okay. All right. Good. I, it kind of got hiccup there. So I I was going to have you say it one more time. So we got it in there. Um, Lola, this has been wonderful. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for taking your time out. You have a fascinating story. Thank you for, for sharing your story with my audience.
1: Well, Joe, you're an amazing person. I, I love the way you ask questions. You ask really good questions and I and I saw what you did at the beginning. So when you talked about Kansas City and I said, "Oh, you know, you you gave me a reference. And when I did not know that reference, you gave me another reference, which I will know. So that was so gracious from you. You are such an amazing person. and you asked really good questions. And you should be an ambassador for Kansas City because you're talking about it. I can see that you love the city so much.
0: Yeah, I absolutely do. Thank you for the kind words. And you as well. You're amazing. Thank you for opening up. I I absolutely love being able to really go throughout the world and find all these wonderful stories. And you're doing that. You're calling together all these wonderful stories and helping people understand that we all have great stories and we need to get them out there so lola this has been great thank you very much send the love from kansas city to nigeria and best of luck with everything
1: thank you so much have an amazing amazing rest of your day thanks for tuning in
0: to another famous interview with joe domino where we cover the world of art literature business spirituality music and more from around the globe if you want to hear more interviews visit the famous interviews with joe domino channel on youtube you can find us on spotify and apple podcasts thanks again for listening